All right, good morning, everybody, and happy Monday. It is uh, September 14th, 2015. It's hard to believe uh, how deep into the year we are already. Um, just flying by, I definitely felt as though uh, my heart shrunk a little last week because I did not get a chance to spend any time with you. Um, so it was very exciting um, but to have Labor Day off, and hopefully you had a great um, long extended weekend with family and friends, uh, but I was definitely ready to be teaching. So just a few housekeeping moments uh, prior to getting started. Remember, this is uh, my name's Tom Miller, and this is uh, this is our Leadership uh, Mentoring Monday series um, for principals, organizational leaders, board leaders, you know, whatever you may, uh, you know, we're all leaders. That's, you know, something I talk to um, organizations very often about is that everybody in your organization is led by someone, so you certainly want to make sure you are building the leadership capacity in a direction uh, that will take your organization from success to significance. So and we we aim to be the difference maker in the leadership development of individuals and organizations, and we're so excited to be able to spend this um, few hours a week with you, and we hope that every call is valuable to you. So and then just our purpose for these calls, you know, in my three years as a state consultant, I just realized that there just wasn't a great professional development series for uh, charter school leaders. Charter school leaders tend to be on an island, um, the only folks that you can usually, you know, talk to and collaborate with are the, the ones that are seeing your organization every day, um, which is great, uh, but sometimes you need that third party, you need that outside eye, you need that other person who has already been through some of those uh, struggles and moved their, wor their organizations. Um, so, you know, our goal was to build a mentorship program um, for you to help you build the leadership capacity of your organization um, because that is the key. That is that is the key. So I want to talk about two quick upcoming events. You should have received an email or, or the leader of your organization or whoever signed you up for this program would have received an email um, inviting you to our Live to Lead uh, Leadership Conference in Charlotte on October 9th, and because you are a partner in this uh, program, every um, school received a one free complimentary full day ticket. And what that Live to Lead series is, it's a half a day simulcast with uh, nationally recognized leaders John Maxwell, Patrick Lencioni, who wrote uh, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Uh, John Maxwell is the number one uh, business leader in the world uh, right now, voted by Inc. Magazine um, uh, just this past uh, month. And then the other two speakers are Valerie Burton, who is an incredible um, leader of nonprofit organizations, and then Kevin Turner. Uh, he is the CEO of Microsoft. So those we'll, we'll hear those four. Uh, they'll, they'll be in a live simulcast. They'll be in Atlanta, but we will be simulcasting the show. And then in the afternoon, we are going to uh, looking at our leadership cues and clues. We will be doing a DISC personality profile um, on everyone and really focusing on how our personality impacts the way we lead and connect and communicate with others. So if you did not hear from whoever signed you up for this program or if you didn't get my email, if you did sign us up, please make sure you reach out to me. We would love to have you. Uh, we are going to have 48 seats and about less than half are left. Um, so, so we would love to have you there. Uh, we have some special partnership rates for you all. And 
really exciting about this, Lisa Gordon-Stell, who's on the call with us this morning, she's going to start her legal issues and policy series tomorrow at 11 o'clock. Um, so that would have come to all the board members in your organization, plus yourselves, the invitation over the week, over the weekend. I believe we sent it last night. Um, and that will be a webinar series, and that, too, is recorded. And Lisa, tomorrow, is going to be focused on uh, National Labor Re Relations Act. When she explained to me, um, you know, about her, uh, you know, you know, at first piece, she goes, you know, over 60% of organizations break this law. And I was like, well, that's critical. That's a good starting point, you know, to know us, us, because when we're charter school leaders and board members, we are the employer of the organization, and we want to make sure that we are meeting all laws. Uh, I had many run-ins as a charter school principal regarding um, losing teachers and OSHA requirements, all these other legal aspects that I was, it's not, you know, nothing I ever learned. Um, so Lisa is an incredible resource, and she's going to be leading a 10-part webinar series each month, the third Tuesday of the month at 11 o'clock, and she kicks off tomorrow at 11. So if you did not get that invitation, uh, check your, um, you know, spam maybe, uh, but we'll be using the Join Me uh, webinar program. Just reach out to Jeff or I if you did not get it, and we will resend that back out definitely in the morning regardless. So those are the two that I wanted just to update us on. And then always we have our uh, Thinking Partner Thursday call. That's at 2 o'clock every Thursday, and Jeff has done an incredible job. He's led those last two Thinking Partnership or Thinking Partner Thursday calls. So that was a lot to swallow. We had a lot of great, great uh, programs and opportunities for you all. Um, and we hope that you are listening to the recordings if you're not on live and sharing what you're learning with, with your team. All right, I definitely want to talk about one big piece. So we're about five to six weeks you know, into a school year or you're three quarters into your fiscal um, or, or one quarter into your fiscal year if you're a um, you know, business organization, and, you know, feedback is so critical. Feedback is so critical. When we thought about this title, I was thinking, you know, you know, your employers don't, or your employees don't work for you, right? You work for them because if they're not equipped and they're not at their top level, your organization, you're the cap, you're the lid on your organization, right? We talked about leadership lid multiple times. So, Teachers didn't work for me when I was a principal. I worked for them, right? It was my job to get them at their highest level, right, to remove their barriers so that they can be as successful as they can on a daily basis leading the children of our school. So people get feedback all the time. I think about you know, feedback, I was thinking about my son, Matthew, who's two and a half years old, and anytime you hand him a brand new food item, you know, anything, he usually licks it first, right? He licks it, and you can just see his face, right? So he's giving me feedback on whether he likes it or not, right? So we all get feedback. We all find feedback in different ways. Matthew will just say, no me, no me, if he doesn't like it. Um, so, but it's pretty obvious I can see the look in his face after that, right? So, or, you know, we give feedback when maybe your significant other asks you, you know, how do I look in this outfit? You know, do I look fat? You know, yeah, you give feedback. And, you know, depending on how the trust is between the two people, the feedback is either honest or similar to when an ostrich sticks their head in the sand, right? And I find that way. Sometimes we do that with our employees and our colleagues, right? 
when, when we need to be most honest and critical with them, right? Because we've already built this great relationship with them, and we can't afford to not give honest and open, constructive, critical feedback so they can reflect and grow as a person, as a professional, right? So even think about this. When a school receives a B or a D on their report card, that's feedback. You know, depending on the focus of the school, it's either received with a desire to improve that grade or excuses are made and usually others are the blame, right? So, so everything we have in life is feedback. We're constantly getting feedback on everything we do. If folks drop off the call in five minutes, that's feedback. There's like, ah, that was relevant, right? Uh, if, if, you know, folks don't sign up, it's, you know, feedback. It's not really valuable to me. So we're always seeking out feedback, and we should always be focusing on giving honest, constructive feedback. So what I've learned is that Typically, in organizations, especially schools, the learning climate that the students experience mirrors the learning climate that the teachers experience. I'm just going to say that again. The learning climate that the students experience mirrors the learning climate that the teachers experience. So what do I think about this? So that makes me think about if, if we're asking teachers to give feedback to their children, to their students, on every lesson, every assignment, you know, formative assessments and giving them feedback whether they're, you know, they're on target or they need, right? So if we're asking them to do it every day, why wouldn't we do the same for our, you know, for our staff as a, as a principal? Why wouldn't we find a way to give our individuals the most feedback possible? Because what happens usually, usually in schools, especially school systems, larger systems, the only feedback you get comes when it's required, right? You're one or two required evaluations or your required observations for the year. That seems, that seems crazy, right? So the learning climate that the students experience mirrors the learning climate that the teachers experience. If you build this culture of giving feedback, your, or your teachers are going to build the same culture within their classrooms, right? Because they see the value of feedback, the value of, of open conversations. Okay, so we got to be aware of that faulty assumption, right? The faulty assumption that all of our teachers were you know, trained in college to handle X, Y, and Z, right? They're great classroom managers. They understand formative assessment. They know how to differentiate in the classroom. No, they don't. No, they don't. Right? Every employee who comes and uh, you know works my organization, uh, I'm just going to assume that they know what to do. No, there needs to be orientation and development and feedback and coaching. Right? You should always be coaching up. The second faulty assumption, right, is that we only give feedback or we only do observations to evaluate to evaluate that lead to contract renewal. Right? I mean, you know, think about that, is that when you put the word evaluation behind your observations, people automatically think, oh, well, they're trying to find something that I don't do well so they can get rid of me. When all observation feedback, all feedback that's, you know, valid should be focused on growing growing the individual, 
And yes, if you continue to work and give feedback and they're not growing, then yeah, maybe it's time for a change. Or maybe they're just not in the right position to be successful. So these two faulty assumptions regarding feedback are really important for you as the, as the leader of your organization to, to establish a culture that grows leadership capacity inside your organization from your feedback. So, so the purpose, right, so this only makes sense in schools which a climate of learning and continual improvement, right, going back to that culture, like we're trying to constantly improve. There's uh, one school, um, Henderson Collegiate Charter School, which is in Vance County, which uh, for the second year in a row, I believe, had their, their EVOS growth score, right, so this is, I believe, like the percentage of kids that grew in their school was 100%, right, two years in a row. And I remember asking Eric Sanchez, the principal or head of school, um, whatever his title is, I said, well, you know, tell me a little bit more about your feedback practices. And he had said that, so this was about, you know, maybe November or December when I had asked him this question of, of, of this school year, of this previous school year. He said, well, all, all of our teachers by now should have been observed and, and, you know, had about 30 coaching sessions. 30 coaching sessions already. It's like three a week. That's the norm, right? So that goes back to that, to that you know, it only makes this, this feedback piece only makes sense in schools which the climate of learning and continual improvement is, is the norm. So the kids are getting feedback because the teachers are constantly giving feedback. It's critical throughout the organization. So I remember when I was a principal, I tried to give feedback in at least three different ways. Um, it was always important to me that I reminded the, reminded every teacher, whether it was in faculty meetings or face-to-face um, -face meetings and one-on-ones, that if you see me writing something down in your classroom, you're going to see it. All right? I didn't have anything to hide because I never wanted them to think that I was going to take negative notes on them. Because right? I might have just been writing a note to remind myself to get milk or make a phone call, but it's important that you create that you know, culture. I had to create that culture and be upfront that everything that I do when I'm in your room has a purpose, and it's to get you better, right? It's, it's, it's not only to get you better, but me better as a principal, right? Because if the teacher's not doing something that I need them to do, that's, that's on me. That's my fault. I'm responsible for that. So three ways that I, uh, I always remember, I always had uh, post-its with me. Um, so where I found one on the teacher's desk and just always try to write a specific praise, you know, line, you know, um, you know, like I, I love the way that you, you know, carried out, um, your expectations for the way that they, uh, transitioned in class right? instead of just saying good job and you know, tell them specifically what they did well. We also, we also developed, so number two is we had this this walkthrough protocol, and I had an informal walkthrough protocol that we developed as a staff um, all together because I asked the teachers, what do you want feedback on? And then I knew what I wanted to give them feedback on. And a lot of the parts of the protocol, um, well, every section of the protocol, we made sure that there was professional development focused on whatever we were giving feedback on. Right, so we use teach teach like a champion. We use some parts of that, and and you know some other uh, you know resources that we had used. 
or had, you know, uh, found together. So those were two. So we had our post-its and then our walkthrough protocols. Then obviously we had our formal observations. So, you know, I, I tried to get in every classroom every day, so that would have been a post-it. Um, I tried to do um, informal using walkthrough protocol feedbacks once and twice a month. And then we had our, um, you know, quarterly observations because um, most of our teachers were in their, you know, their first three years. So there's other ways you could certainly do this. I just worked with a principal recently, and, and he, he created a Google form, right? So like just a Google form based upon his, you know, feedback protocol for every single teacher. Right? They each had a different link. So he had his iPad. He would walk through the classrooms, and he would be able to instantly type in information into his form, and it would go right into their Google form response sheet, right? So he was giving them instant information. Very, very, you know, I mean, whatever you need to do to get them the information that they need, I believe, is just so helpful, right? And it's helpful to you, especially if you use something like a Google form or, you know, like a spreadsheet because it, you know, because it tracks your documentation if you do have to have those critical conversations or maybe not renew a teacher. It shows how many times that I came into their classroom and how many times that I gave them feedback. So those are three ways that we gave feedback, okay? So three ways that we gave feedback. And please, at any time during, you know, during this call, and I totally forgot to mention this, go ahead and hit star six in the queue if you've got a question, and I'll hear that you're in there, and I'll, you know, if there's something you need to repeat or reteach or something you just don't understand, feel free. So, so star six, and then you'll hit one, it'll get you into the queue. So those are the three ways in which I gave feedback, and there's many different ways you can do it. Um, and then prior to preparing for my observations, there were some key aspects that always helped me. Number one, I've already said this, that my teachers didn't work for me. I worked for them. Right? So to prepare when I would go into classrooms, whether it was a walkthrough or, um, or a formal observation, is I wanted to know what were the teachers' learning targets, right? So what – so – and what I mean about learning targets, it's not the learning target for the student, it's the learning target for them. So I would maybe, you know, I would have a list of what their professional development goal was for the year. I would also know what professional development, you know, we just led, you know, what what um, strategy that we just teach from the Teach Like a Champion book. Okay, so I knew what that was. Um, so uh, you had your positive praise statements. We, uh, you know, focused on procedures and expectations and, and, and time on task, right? You know, the structure of the classroom. So I was, you know, had in my mind, you know, what am I going to be looking for? Um, and I tried to make sure I wasn't so close-minded that I would miss some of the big picture items. Because that can sometimes happen if you're walking into a classroom specifically looking for one characteristic or one strategy, you may miss, you know, some of the larger stuff. So have something in mind, but make sure you keep an open an open mind as well walking through. And then I always wanted to walk out and reflect on what did I learn about the teacher and and the students from the lesson that I observed. So whatever I observed, what did I learn about the teacher, right? So, so from both what the teacher was doing and what the students were doing. Okay, that was my key. It's like, what did I learn? What did I learn in that classroom during that time? And I'm not talking about content, not curriculum content. And what did I learn about the teacher? What did I learn about the students, right? So for example, if I walked in, and I, 
could feel stress in the room or I could tell that the cadence of the teacher changes or they uh, were fumbling on words to like use their praise statements or their direct instruction um, you know, techniques, I knew that this was not common practice for them. I remember walking into a school uh, a few years ago as a consultant and the principal was walking me through and when we were in the room, everybody was staring at us and the teacher kept looking over at us like, do you need something? Do you need me? So I knew, I could tell right away that the culture of that school wasn't that the principal did a lot of walkthroughs. You know, when you walked into our uh, classrooms at Charter Day School, hardly ever, you know, anybody would ever turn around. It was the culture. We were just constantly in the rooms. We were constantly trying to help. We were, you know, constantly giving feedback and, you know, checking on student progress. It was the norm, right? So we wanted to make sure that our teachers were comfortable with that, right? How comfortable is this teacher with their ability to lead and teach? It was always something that I was thinking about. And then when you're providing effective feedback, you know, remember learning is supposed to be fun, right? So you need to make your feedback fun. You need to find fun ways to do it. Um, not every feedback conversation is fun, but you need to find a way uh, because we're lifelong learners in this world, in this field. So remember your communication and connecting practices. Remember that there's three parts of communication. There are the words that you use, there is your tone of voice, and then there's your body language. And as we know, the biggest of those three is body language. Body language represents 55% of the communication between you and someone else, 55%. And tone of voice is 38%. So that's 93% tone of voice and body language. So that only leaves 7% of communication is the actual words that we use. So you want to make sure that if you're giving feedback and learning and teaching, you need to do it in a very positive demeanor, right? You need to make sure that you're present in the conversation. So I always try to start off with some praise. So I sent you I sent you this great tool that is in the book Leverage Leadership. All right, the six steps to effective feedback. And so I'm going to go through these six. And these are these were they lined up with exactly what I use. This is a great tool in the book Leverage Leadership. Leverage Leadership, sorry, and the book is by um Brett uh, Pizer and Paul Bambrick uh Santoyo. Um, and it kind of it aligns with the Teach Like a Champion. So if you don't have a copy of this book, it's got some great, great tools in it. But um, so the first step was praise, right? So you could say, you know, we we set a goal of, and I'm going to say we set a goal of having our students practice 20 math problems in our lesson last week. And I noticed this week that you met that goal. You know, I I noticed that the children were able to. So so we want to sandwich in our praise, right? We want to focus on on descriptives of what we saw in a praise statement, right? So that so the so the handout gives you an example of that. We set a a goal of every student practicing 20 problems last week, and I noticed this week you met this goal by 
making sure your classroom started on time, that the students were prepared, and you had the list of, of you know, practice problems that they would be doing on the board. You know, whatever they did that you talked about in your, in your last week coaching conversation, um, you know, some aspects of how they could get better. And then, you know, you ask them, so, so what made you successful with this? You know, how, you know, how do you feel about that? You know, you want to make sure that, that, they're, that they're feeling good about what they accomplished and don't have them work on too many things at once, you know, one goal at a time, one goal at a time. That's step one, right? And you definitely, I talked about, you want to be descriptive rather than evaluative, right? And, you know, descriptive versus evaluative is, you know, descriptive feedback, you know, depicts what you, 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 you know, you saw, right? So, for example, most of your students got hit you right away with the peer feedback task. And I saw you visit one pair of students who seemed to be struggling. Right, so most of your students got busy right away with the peer, um, you know, feedback task. I saw you, and I saw you visit, you know, one, uh, you know, group of students. Compared to evaluative feedback, would be your lesson had excellent student engagement. That doesn't really tell me a lot. Right, you know, unless you had some sort of quantitative way of um, showing what excellent feedback is, right, or what excellent student engagement is. So we want descriptive descriptive feedback. And, and people see what they're looking for and miss what they're not looking for. So even if those details are right under their noses. So that's why it's important to, to, to know what you're looking for. And that's when you go back to the last week's goals. You know, what was the last coaching session? What did we work on last week, right? So, so, so you want to be very um, you know, adamant about being organized on, on what your feedback is going to be on. Right when you're giving that feedback. All right, so we're starting the sandwich. We've got our praise. We were being descriptive. So let's look at this next piece. So identifying the problem and the action step. Okay, so after we've praised and if you've seen something, so there's so there's multiple levels of identifying the problem. And you know the first level is that the teacher self-identifies the problem. Yeah, so when they I when they identify the problem, you just follow up with a great coaching question, say, yes, so then what will be the next best action step to solve this problem? We want them to come up with a solution. If we continue to tell them what to do, A, they're never going to learn on their own, and B, the buy-in is a lot less, right? So coaching is about making the unconscious conscious. Okay, it's about changing the mindset and the framework of, of, of a dictatorship to, to internal growing, right? Internal reflection and thinking. So the first level, you know, the teacher understands. Because remember, there's a gap between what we know and what we do. So that's why we're asking those questions. So the teacher drives at the first level. It hits at the second level, and they're not really understanding, you know, you just keep asking questions, right? Keep asking them questions if they're not able to identify with the problem of their lesson. Um, you know, just, just ask scaffolding question. What was your goal of the lesson? How did your lesson try to meet this goal? What would you do differently? Where did you find success? 
how many of your students would you say answered questions during your lesson? We're going to get to that because one of the key aspects that I used to do is I used to basically draw a map of the classroom and I would actually uh, track, track the teachers' movements. At what time were they at this time? I would track whether which kids participated. So then when I needed to, uh, one of these next levels, and we'll talk about it in a second, when I needed to, I could actually show the data. It's like, oh, well, you thought that half the kids actually answered a question? Well, really, um, you know, 20 of the 25 did. And they're like, oh, that's, that's, that's really good. Right. So, you, so you can show them. Right? So level two is asking those scaffolding questions. So then level three so needs more leader guidance, right? So that's when you present the classroom data that you saw, that you pulled. And you can say, do you remember what happened in class when little Johnny got up to sharpen his pencil? And, oh, yeah, um, you know, a student got kicked or, you know, someone got off, you know, off task, whatever it is, right? So, so you're presenting the actual data that I had talked about, you know, that I had given the example of, you know, do you know how many students you ask questions to? Well, here's actually the chart. Here's how many questions you asked. Here's the kids who answered. Oh, look, it was these three kids answered seven questions each, but the rest of the classroom only answered seven in total, and there was 20 more students. You know, or if you're like tracking the flow, like we used to use rows, so as to be able to easily track the flow, and sometimes, you know, teachers would never make it to the far right of the classroom, the far back side. And that was where maybe the least the least amount of engagement was. So again, it's it's great feedback. It's a good visual feedback to 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 draw a map of the classroom. And then level four, I mean this is your red flag level. This is at the highest, you know, highest level of the problem and the action step that the leaders completely drives it. So everything else, you know, fails. They weren't able to identify their own problem. You weren't able to get to it, you know, based upon the question, even when you showed the data. So then you just need to state the problem directly. State what you observed and what the action step will be needed to solve the problem. Right. And maybe you even intervened in the classroom and modeled it and say, hey, when I intervened, what did I do? How is that different from what you're doing? You know, that's, you know, to have those relationships, that's important because when you've got 25 kids in the classroom, that's, that's their lives at stake. And if you've got a teacher who's not doing it well and you have a good relationship with them, you say, hey, do you mind if I show something or do you mind if I ask the classroom a couple questions? One great tool is giving feedback, you know, is having some sort of cards or signals of your own for the teacher. Say, you know, hold up a green card when they need to praise everybody, right? Or hold up a red card when they're talking too much. Or hold up a blue card when they should ask their kids a question. Or someone to repeat, you know, what you just taught. There's great ways that you can give feedback during that time. Feedback essentials, okay, whether it's just there to be grasped or provided by another person. Helpful feedback is these key um, essentials. So one is goal referenced, right? So it's feedback is focused on the specific goal that the teacher is working on. It's tangible and transparent. It's actionable. User friendly, right? So it's specific and personalized. It's timely, ongoing, and consistent. I'll repeat those. 
Helpful feedback is goal-referenced, tangible and transparent, actionable, user-friendly, timely, ongoing, and consistent. This is the same practice that we want our students to be working on, right? This is the same practice that we want everybody in our organization to be focused on. The better the feedback, the more the growth, and the better the ultimate results. This whole process should be a joy, right? And it should be intentional and, and part of your just daily systems and your daily culture and your professional, or, you know, it's, it should always be professional and, but, but fun. I mean, you can make, you can make, I just remember having multiple conversations with teachers that became so emotional and regardless if the feedback was on a positive or a negative side, it was always a great breakthrough, right? It was, it was transformational coaching because ultimately every teacher, every employee wants to be the best that they can. They're just, you know, not equipped yet. They're not ready yet. They know what they want to do. They're just not able to do it. That's where you come in. That's where you come in. So after you've gotten through the action steps, right, we've already did the praise. So we had a praise step. We're sandwiching that in through the identification of the problem and the action step. Now we want to look at practicing, right? So how do we... How do we practice this all together? So you could, right there, you could role play. You know, you could role play and have a conversation with the teacher. Let's say that they were having a, you know, I was a middle school principal, so sometimes, you know, teachers and, and adolescents, and I was just as guilty as this, we weren't always great with our sarcasm. <laughs> you know, uh, sarcasm is not a great tool for education, especially in, uh, in uh, middle school. So, you know, sometimes we would role play, you know, we'd you know, role play what this looks like, what this conversation, you know, how can we, you know, better build relationships with the students. Sometimes we would practice um, our procedures, right? We would, we would actually physically set up the classroom and we would walk through to check the flow. We would walk through to see um, if a kid was handing in materials, like what, you know, if I walk through this, what are some of the barriers that a kid may have? You know, what are some of the ways that he or she might get off task? So you're actually physically practicing it, right? You take the time to practice during your coaching session and, and you know, model for the teacher and then have them practice it. And then after that, you know, looking at the long-term piece, you know, you know, decide on the next steps, right? Because remember, ultimately, all this should lead to improvements in instruction and student learning. At the end of the feedback conversation, the teacher should have a clear sense of what to try next, right, on the basis of, of the collaboration between them and the principal, or them and the coach, or them and the mentor. There should be an agreement on these next steps and what they'll hope to see as a result, right, what's you know, going to be the results of this work. So 
one part could be, all right, hey, I'm going to be in your classroom. What's a good day next week? You know, because I want to give you time to practice this. And, hey, I'm probably going to be in your classroom in a couple of hours, and I know you're not going to master this in a day or two. It's, it's all right, but what I would like to, you know, how long do you think it's going to take you? Okay, great. I'll come in next Monday at this, you know, same time, and we'll really, really focus, right? So put it in your plan, right? And let's write out these steps in your lesson plan. You know, what are you going to be teaching next Monday? Okay, great. So let's put these, you know, procedural steps right in your lesson plan. And where else could we put them in your room so you remember, you know, these, these steps? What can I do while I'm sitting here observing you, prompt you, right? What are some feedback that I can give you during the lesson to make sure? Because what gets rewarded gets repeated, right? So we definitely want to be making sure that we're giving them feedback. And we, we plan that out. You plan that right out. So going back through that, through those feedback steps, we had first was praise, right? We set a goal of last week, and notice how you met this goal by X, Y, Z. And we're being descriptive, not evaluative. Then we're going to identify the problem and action steps. Hopefully they will identify it. You know, you know, they're going to tell us exactly what didn't go well, right? And we're going to take them through those four levels, and hopefully we don't ever get to level four, but sometimes we do, right? We're going to be focused on our feedback essentials, right? We're going to be focusing on, on um, you know, making sure that it's goal reference, tangible and transparent, actionable, user-friendly, timely, ongoing, and consistent, okay? We want to give, and, and when I talk about user-friendly, if it's too specific, like, for example, you might say, um, you know, your groups were pretty big. Some students didn't get a chance to talk during the group work, right? That's, you know, Specific, but it's broad enough where you're not telling the person how many people to put in their group. You know, some principals might just say, next time you do this activity, just use groups of three. That leaves nothing for the teacher to consider. So when I'm talking about user-friendly being specific, okay, that's, that would be an example of that. We talked about how we're going to be present in the conversation, you know, using our tone and our strong body language. Not a big desk between the two of us. This is a nice conversation about two professionals growing together. And, at the, and then we're going to put our plan in place, right? We're going to practice, put our plan in place, and set our timeline for our follow-up. Maybe you'll videotape the teacher. That's always a great way to get feedback. Watch yourself in the environment. Watch yourself in the environment. That's great reflection opportunities. Signals for the teacher. Right? Green means praise. Red means you're talking too much. Blue means time to ask a question. Tell them that, you know, hey, during the lesson, I may get up and just, you know, model this for you if you don't mind. If I feel as though you're having a tough time with it, okay, I may remodel it for you. And at the end of any feedback session, after you've got all those pieces in place, you're going to utilize these reflection questions. What did I learn from my conversation with the teacher? What did the teacher learn from his or her conversation with me? Because remember, learning is supposed to be fun, right? So you could turn it into a blog, to a reflection chart. Okay, you could turn it into a great sharing experience of the next professional development. Opportunity, the next you know, staff meeting, make sure that you praise publicly, 
and correct privately. I got that from Jeff Gorski. It's a fantastic line. Always be praising publicly, but correcting privately. And that's from adults to infants. Doesn't matter. Nobody likes to be publicly criticized. Because whenever principals observe instruction, if their eyes and mind are open, they're going to learn something. So you're going to be constantly learning about your ability to coach. Okay, one thing that I learned when I was first in my early stages as a coach is we, were, we had to record and transcribe the entire conversation. And it made us realize how much we were talking <laughs> compared to the teacher. We should be doing the majority of the talking. We should just be asking questions, right? So, so what did I learn? So maybe I learned that I talk too much. I learned that I'm just handing over the answers, right? I learned that my teacher is not very confident right now, so I need to make sure that I'm doing things to support him or her, right? Maybe they need an extra walk through, an extra post-it. And what did the teacher learn, you know, back? So maybe you ask them, hey, you know what? I want you, you know, I want you to give me feedback. How did I do listening to you, right? How did I do helping you solve this problem? What can I do better? How can we improve our practices for the school? So it's always important to have an open mind about true coaching, right? Not telling, not, not um, you know, you know, you may ask a teacher to tighten up their pacing or work on building a classroom community or make sure the students are engaged, but, you know, that always doesn't lead to growth, right, that's actually going to produce improvement in the classroom. And this kind of feedback leaves teachers feeling defensive. If you've ever been asked, just tell me what to do and I'll do it, then you know you're not giving the feedback that can lead to improvement. In our, in our instant gratification world, everybody just wants the answer, but that's not going to solve your organizational problems, but the six steps to effective feedback will. And a great way to do it, like I've talked about a couple times, I'm going to talk about one more time, you need to have this question at every staff meeting. What does an effective classroom look like at our school? I used to ask teachers, what does engagement look like in your classroom? So I know when I'm coming, when I'm observing, I want to know what engagement looks like to you. So I know what it looks like. Because I know what it looks like to me, but what it looks like to you might be something different. You go back to those questions, right? Um, you know, Go back to those essential parts. What am I walking in here to find? What am I giving them feedback on? How am I going to improve them and improve myself as an instructional leader? And build your relationships through your routines. We talked about those daily walkthroughs and daily check-ins. How can I make your job easier, right? Who has helped you so I can recognize that at their next uh, staff meeting? These informal observations, 10 to 15 minutes, everybody. doesn't take a tremendous amount of time. The most important piece is that you block off time during your day to get out of your office and into the classrooms. 
because that's where you make the most difference of your school, not sitting in your chair, which is very important work, but the critical work because the biggest variable is whether your whether your teachers can effectively instruct and lead their classrooms. That's that's the variable of your school. The variable is not going to be whether you've got all your uh, compliance reports done. They have to be done, but what's most important is that you are in your classrooms helping your teachers be stronger leaders. So that is my lesson for this morning. Six steps to effective feedback. You work for your teachers, okay? You work for them. So if coaching and instructional feedback is not your thing, you need to identify somebody in your school who can do it. Uh, because as I talked about, where your, where your teachers grow is where your school will go. How fast they grow will make your school go. And the number one way to get there is transformational coaching and providing feedback as much as possible, as much as possible. So we aim to be the, the uh, Difference maker in your uh, leadership development. Hopefully, there was some golden nuggets that popped in, uh, you know, during this call, and and you know something you can take back to your classroom immediately, your your school immediately, or your organization immediately. Is how am I giving feedback? What are some steps that I need to take to to change our feedback practices to to build my leadership and sustainability of our of our organization? And then once you have that set, your goal is to multiply your leadership. Your, your job is to teach other people how to use your six steps of effective feedback or whatever you use, you know, whatever tools you use, making sure that they align, right, making sure that they give your teachers the feedback and your employees all the feedback, right, because let's, let's remember we don't, we don't just have teachers in our school. We have administrative staff. We have custodial staff, we have teacher assistants, okay, we have specialty teachers. Um, we need to make sure that we're giving them all feedback, everybody feedback. I, I still remember uh, this uh, PE teacher at Charter Day School. Um, she taught PE and health, and I came in and observed her class, and when we did our feedback session, she just sat there and cried, and I thought I had done something wrong. And I said, what, you know, why are you, know, why, why are you crying? She goes, I've been here for eight years, and you're the first principal to ever come into my classroom and give me feedback. I couldn't believe it. I was blown away. So just you know, think about how powerful it is when you have this great opportunity to sit down with your, with your colleague who's there to help you and your organization grow. Right? So it's important to take those times. So I've talked enough. This is your this is your time. If anybody has any questions or feedback, go ahead and hop into the queue. I would love to hear um, some of your thoughts. What do you use for feedback uh, protocols? How often do you find yourself being in classrooms? Um, so go ahead and hit star six, and that'll get you into our queue. And then hit one to ask a question. Nobody's hopped in yet. You know, feel free. If something jars your memory. We're at about 10:45, so we got plenty of time. Um, so while we're talking about that, <laughs> I did also want to pass along uh, that this evening, um, if you're a charter school 
you know, principal on the call, there's going to be um, some very heavy new charter school language um, being approved as a big modification bill. Um, Seven o'clock tonight should be a vote um, on this bill. It's House Bill 334. So you can go ahead in there and, and Google House Bill 30, uh, uh, 334, get on the state legislation page. But, you know, some of the key, key aspects of what I noticed um, were uh, weighted lottery options. This is something that we've been really, really driving and, you know, trying to get charter schools some opportunities to, to serve, uh, you know, some other populations of students. So weighted lottery was one. There's some uh, proposed changes to the office of charter schools. So, so it's important um, that just like, you know, when we, you know, and, and this is all goes back to building that leadership capacity. Um, when I, when you're a teacher, in a school, you know your classroom, right? You maybe know your classroom and you know your grade level. You don't always see the bigger picture. So you take, you come out of the classroom and you start to kind of learn the bigger picture aspects of the school. It's always important to, to um, introduce um, your key teacher leaders and give them some, some opportunities to see the, pic, you know, the school at a larger picture. It's the same as a charter school principal, right? So the bigger picture is, you know, how, how legislation impacts your you know, your job, you know, it impacts through, you know, policies and changes. Um, so that could be, you know, in your region, your local legislation, or even, you know, through the, um, you know, entire state by, you know, coming to Raleigh and, and you know, talking to a legislator. So, so uh, we don't always find ourselves in the bigger picture opportunities. Um, but I highly encourage you to uh, at least take a look at, at the bills that are coming through and, you know, think about how it's going to impact your uh, your school over the last couple of years we've had student lottery preferences that um, seemed like a great idea on paper you know when we had the, um, the legacy rule and uh, and they changed it to um, you know only full-time employees at children and and that really really impacted a lot of schools uh, you know the full-time employees piece because you know a lot of schools have Spanish and Mandarin Chinese and foreign language or these, you know, shops, and, and it was a shame because now they could not offer those, um, you know, when they were only part-time teachers, they could not offer uh, their uh, children a spot. So that really, really had some unintended consequences for a lot of uh, public charter schools, So which is always, always important to keep your mind um, on the long-term, the long-term and the unintended consequences because what I have found um, over this past year is, you know, legislators want to do the right thing and they want to help out schools. It's just sometimes ideas uh, that are thrown out on paper don't always equate to their uh, you know desired results in the culture that that we had hoped. So definitely want to put that out there. If you haven't had a chance to see House Bill 334, please take a look because uh, that could be voted in the next 24 hours. And then the other piece, you know, going back into just just what we talked about with the teacher feedback, we have been talking to the State Board of Education, and um, when I say we, it's the, you know, the Coalition for Public Charter Schools that we've grouped together, you know, some of our regulatory items, one was teacher evaluation, you know, it was just a point that I just brought up is why, is why should charter schools use the same evaluative tools that all traditional public schools uh, utilize? It has some merits, it has some, you know, I, I get the consistency, but, but not every part of the NESIS, uh, you know, tool in the system really impacts uh, public charter schools. It's not really what, what their teachers need to do or what they're charged to do with on a daily basis. Their responsibilities are different. So that was one of the things too. So, so it's just always great to get involved with those conversations 
um, and really, really, uh, you know, deep dive because again, the um, you know decision makers, they don't always have all the um, boots on the ground information. So we're always looking for advocates just to kind of educate us. So when we do have those opportunities to have discussions, or if you're able to come and have those discussions, um, that that you really, really, uh, you know, teach them, you know, how how it does impact uh, you. We had a great meeting uh, just I think it was in August. Um, with uh, there were 17 charter school leaders, and then the state board chair, and and uh, some of the other uh, state board members, and the advisory board. It was it was great eye-opening conversations, right? It's feedback. It goes back to the feedback piece. They want feedback on how well their policies are meeting the needs of their public charter schools, and so we need tools to give them feedback as well. So this was a vehicle to do that. All right. So I highly encourage you to be you know, part of those conversations as well. All right, we have someone in the queue, Jeff Gorski. How's it going? Great. So I've got a question for you. Um, and I kept thinking about this the whole time you were talking about giving feedback. And I thought about the feedback that I received as a teacher um, and my misconceptions uh, that, I, that didn't occur to me until I became a school leader. Because really feedback is there's, there's different kinds of feedback. Of course, there's appreciative or, or affirmation feedback where somebody's telling me the things I'm doing right. And there's coaching feedback or corrective feedback where people are telling me what I need to change or do better. And then there's uh, the kind of feedback which is what I was always seeking, which was evaluative. Am I doing a good job? Overall, all things considered. Or if you had to grade me, what would you give me? An A, a B, a C, a D? Um, you know, on the on the Mises system, I figure there am I developing? Am I uh, am I uh, exemplary? Whatever those are, um, and so I didn't realize that there was different kinds of feedback when I was a teacher because that's all I wanted was that at the end, the evaluative, what, how good am I doing? And so as a school leader, I feel like I tried to fit all three of these uh, kinds of feedback into every conversation tell people how great they are, tell them what they need to change, and overall, tell them, you know what, we're, this is where we are standing. But my question for you, Tom, is do you feel like every conversation should have all three of those pieces in it, or do you feel like those are three totally separate conversations you should be having with teachers? Appreciative and affirmative conversations, coaching and corrective conversations, and evaluative conversations. Uh, yeah, that's a really good question. So, so while you were talking, I was thinking, you know, Jeff, of the DISC personality profile, right? So we've got our dominant personalities, our inspiring, our supportive, and our cautious. So I think one key aspect would be to know your people, right? I think that's the key aspect in in, in answering your question is, um, uh, you know, who are you dealing with, right? So some teachers just want to get to the um, to the point, right? Just like you said, the evaluative. How am I doing? Am I an A? Am I a B? You know, just tell me what to do different, and I'm going to move on. And then, and then some who are a little, you know, like, you know, I'm an I, so I have a lot of uh, I, you know, inspiring. So we crave constant affirmation, right? Even if it's for, uh, uh, you know, things that we already know that we already did well. So, you know, knowing me, if I was a principal and I was leading me and I got to know me, I'd want to know, 
you know, I've got to stop in and check out on Tom and, you know, notice that he, uh, you know, that he did maybe an extra duty yesterday, whatever it is, you know. So knowing your people, I believe, is critical to answering your question. And the only way you can know your people is by having those conversations with them, right, is, is to really trying to forge a strong rapport, getting an idea of studying personality styles, especially when you lead a larger organization, um, and, 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 you know, asking them, you know, directly, like, what type of feedback are you looking for from me, right? Because some folks, you know, they just want the Mises evaluation and that's it, because that's what they're used to, right? So um, they, 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 they've never really had a true conversation about their classroom or they've never, you know, been given, like, I remember when we first started drawing those maps of the classrooms out, how powerful it was to keep track of how many questions the teacher asked, how many kids actually participated in the lesson, you know, how, how did I walk through, you know, the classroom? And I remember doing it once and then someone else, like another teacher said, hey, when you come in my room, can you draw that map? I heard you did that map, right? So, so I think when you expose people to different types of feedback, they start to decide what helps them. Does that kind of answer your question? So, I mean, it, it takes that rapport, right? So knowing your people, um, having your own toolbox filled with different ways that you can give feedback and asking yourself when, you, when you're done every conversation, what did I learn about that teacher from that conversation? What did I learn about being in that classroom? And really thinking and you know, putting thought and reflection into the feedback that you're going to give instead of immediately jumping to level four and just being directive, because you and I both worked in the same organization and we knew the majority of the feedback was just directive, right? It wasn't, and, and the feedback we got was either, it was black or white. There was no in between, you know, they were called coaches, but there wasn't a lot of coaching necessarily going on. It was more, you know, coaching like Oklahoma versus Tennessee, you know, football coaching, um, you know, type aspect. So, so I hope I answered your question there. So my keys would be knowing your people, having your own toolbox filled, and trying different ways to give them feedback and then asking them which ones work best for them. So moving forward, uh, you can make sure that you focus on those parts. Thanks. Yeah, and when you were saying that, it made me also think of it. Maybe part of the process would be um, – Making sure that the person I'm giving feedback to knows which one of those categories this is falling into. Like, I wouldn't want them to confuse my appreciative feedback for my evaluative feedback. I wouldn't want them to confuse the fact that I'm giving them coaching uh, with the fact that I just said they're doing all these things right. Like, I feel like it's just got to, you've got to find a way to, to be able to effectively communicate all of those different pieces of a puzzle and, and teachers are such heartfelt animals that you know you've got to it's just such a puzzle to do it all in the right way and have it all come across the way you hope it does yeah that's a great point i mean so you don't want them to misconstrue your affirmation for them actually you know carrying out the uh you know the, you know desired behavior right so it's just like we just talked about last week is is we too need to make sure that we hold high expectations so our teachers are carrying out uh, our expectations, right? So just like we tell a teacher, 
to, if you've got to make kids line back up again to practice lining up to reach the uh, desired behavior, we too as, as school leaders need to do the same thing, right? So we can certainly affirm in that first praise statement, you know, we set a goal of this, and I see that you either accomplished that goal or you came close to the goal by, you know, and you know, telling them specifically what you saw being descriptive to get there. And then that's when you start to identify the problem. So sandwiching it in and having clear, um, you know, measurable outcomes from, you know, from your coaching, I think is, is, is really important. Um, and then, hey, Jeff, you know, you could always ask, ask the teacher, how would you grade yourself? You know, where do you think you are with this? Now, if they give you, you know, a C or a D and, and you're about on the same page, great. What are some of your action steps? If they give you, oh, I think I've mastered this, it's an A, and you don't feel the same way. So, okay, well, let's, let's talk more about some of the aspects in here. And let's see how, you know, how you, how the instruction are lined up. I, I think, too, that's just, you know, you know, going back to, you know, having those crucial conversations and, you know, um, you know, needing to, but a great part of your orientation process at the beginning of every year could be having a coaching session with one of your other leaders in front of everybody, right? And having that mock, that mock, you know, coaching session, you know, not only to teach everybody how to coach, but also show them, hey, when this is what a coaching session, you know, looks like, and there will be some feedback that is affirmative, but there's, there will be some evaluative pieces, too, that we'll have to discuss. And, and, you know, we'll make sure all that is very clearly outlined in your, in your annual professional development plan or something. But really good point. And, and so this is a conversation that needs to continue in schools, uh, you know, across different schools. I think it would be great to, to, to have this conversation with, uh, with these, uh, you know, uh, consortiums that we're trying to create, Jeff. Um, you know, say, how do you give feedback? And let's have a conversation about it. You know, bring your protocols and let's, let's share. Let's share our resources. And that's, you know, something that we can, we can certainly house, uh, you know, through this program too. So there's definitely a lot of thought because it's such a critical, critical element of, you know, taking your school from success to significance or your organization. doesn't matter school. I mean, anything from success to significance is all about giving effective feedback. So excellent. I don't see anybody else in the queue yet, but we've, you know, got some time. If you'd like to hop on, you know, Jeff, if you've got anything, um, you know, for the group too, you're still unmuted. So you are more than welcome to share if I miss something about what, you know, what we're doing over the next couple of weeks with the organization. All right, well, hearing no one, I am going to tell you all I have thoroughly enjoyed this time with you. I hope that you learned at least one thing from this conversation and this teaching today. Uh, please, 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 if you get a chance to hop on Lisa Gordon-Stell's uh, webinar tomorrow at 11 o'clock, I know, it, you know she's going to knock your socks off and just do a great job um, because she's very, very passionate about what she does. And it's, it's, it's important to find people who are passionate about the law uh, because they will save you tens of thousands of dollars, maybe more, um, in, in, you know, legal fees and uh, in all these, you know, crisis prevention, um, you know, intervention strategies and procedures and policies you can put in your school. Um, so please don't, don't miss uh, her webinar. If you can't be on it live, uh, we will send the recording out and we'll house that on our website as well, just like this call will be. 
Uh, if you have not uh, learned about Live to Lead in Charlotte, reach out to us. We would be happy to talk to you about some opportunities for your team. Uh, we've got some partnership rates. I think you know it, it's our goal just to make sure that you're exposed to some great viable material. So uh, we want you to be there. So reach back out to us uh, then. And uh, Jeff will be leading the uh, Thursday thinking partner calls so at Thursday at two o'clock. So we've got we've got uh, uh, four to five hours of of, uh, of set of professional development just uh, for you this week. So this is a great week when we have uh, you know multiple multiple calls going on. So I want to thank you all. Have a great day. Uh, make it a great day and make it a great week. And make sure that you're getting into your organization's settings, classrooms, whatever, hallways today and asking them, how can I better serve you? Who's someone in our organization who has helped you so I can, um, you know, you know, praise them as well and, you know, give them feedback as well. And if you don't have a walkthrough protocol, we have uh, some that we've, uh, you know, created and, uh, you know, utilized. We'd be happy um, to, to uh, share um, and to share other resources that we've been utilizing in this in this leverage leadership book. So make it a great day, everybody, and thank you again for joining us.